want to continue in our series, Getting Out of the Box. Um, what does it mean for us to be in a box? Let's just rehearse this, and you're more than welcome to speak out, like for, for two minutes, maybe. So don't get too comfortable speaking out. But how about, um, how about tradition? Does tradition keep us locked in a box sometimes? This is how I like it. I'm comfortable. This is, this is what I like to do, so this is where I'm going to stay. How about our past, how we've been treated, things that have happened to us that keeps us hidden in a box? Sometimes a box means safety for us, doesn't it? How about the way churches operate and and maybe we've been hurt in one place or we don't agree with one place or we're just trying to find that place that we can agree with without changing. I mean, we stay in boxes for a lot of different reasons, don't we? Uh, Today, though, I want to talk about uh, getting grace out of the box. Um, All week long, I've been wrestling with this grace and mercy issue. And I just want to talk about grace and mercy for just a second because there is a difference between grace and mercy. Um, Mercy is what you ask for when you're getting ready to get what you deserve. That's why when you stand in the court of law, in just full transparency, believe me, I've been there. Lord, I throw myself on the mercy of the court. Your honor, please. I deserve it, but I throw myself on the mercy of the court. What am I asking? What am I saying? When you say, I I put myself on the mercy of the court, basically you're saying, please don't give me what I deserve. Please don't let happen to me what I deserve. Okay, so what's the difference between mercy and grace? Mercy is saying, don't give me what I deserve. Grace says you are going to receive it even though you don't deserve it. Now let that sink in for a second. And here's why we need to let this sink in for a second. Um, And I know, you know, I talk a lot of friends. It's good to have a lot of you that are friends. (laughs) A lot of friends and we talk. And sometimes we overgeneralize, don't we? But here's one thing I know about our American culture. We think we deserve things. You hear, the, you hear the term, I have a right. You don't have squat. You don't have a right for anything. In closing, <laughs> you say, well, pastor, we live in a, a powerful country. Yes, and because men and women have given up their right to live, you have a right to freedom. Now, when I say... We don't have rights. What I mean is, you can't stand before God and not receive what you should receive and then demand to receive what you have no right to receive. And we have a hard time getting around that because when when we say we're sinners saved by grace, sometimes our, our mind may not say this, but our actions say, well, of course. Like we deserved it. Like we were good enough and we somehow earned it. No, see, grace means that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ became flesh. When you and I were sinners, he died for us anyway. That's grace. When you and I were lost, and and I know sometimes when we come to church, the last thing you want to do is, is be reminded of how bad you are. This isn't about how bad we are. 
This is about without God, we are bad. This is we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that through Jesus Christ, he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And the writer of Ephesians says that we are saved by grace, not that of ourselves. We can't boast on it. We can't say, well, I'm saved because I've done a good job. I'm saved because I do good works. It's not based on works. It's not of ourselves, but it's by faith that we're saved by grace, right? And so when I talk about getting the grace out of the box, what do I mean? It's us not only understanding what Jesus Christ has done for us, but us being willing to live it and be it to others. Now this gets a little sticky today. Because it doesn't necessarily challenge us on, on what we haven't been doing or what we've done and we're guilty of, but it's really going to challenge us, I pray, on what we should be doing. Because if we're really living in the kingdom, if we're really a part of this kingdom, and we're men and women who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, we've been redeemed. I didn't deserve it, but he had mercy on me. He didn't give me what I deserve. He put that on Jesus. But, but his grace allows me to enter in because he gives me what I don't deserve. Am I making sense? Because it's hard to talk about this if we really don't understand that he has given us something we don't deserve. He has given us something we don't deserve. He has given us something we don't deserve. So what does grace out of the box look like when you give someone else something they don't deserve? When you give someone else forgiveness that they don't deserve. When you give someone else a pass that they don't deserve. Let's talk about this for a few minutes. Um, and I've asked you to do this the last several weeks, and I want to do it again. If you'll please stand for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> Out of Luke chapter 4, um, I'm going to read in a moment out of Luke chapter 6. But Luke chapter 4, and we hit on this last week, I just want to set this message up, with this set this passage up. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is in the temple and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then in verse 43, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. You see, the good news is you're not going to get what you deserve, but I'm also going to give you what you don't deserve. That's good news. Because in Luke chapter 6, and here's what I want to read, starting at verse 27, but I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 
And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that of you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. They get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You'll be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Now, Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear. Lord, in in those tough places, I pray that you maybe just sort of soften them up. And Lord, to those tender places that, that may feel the pain this morning, I pray that you bring healing and restoration. Because, Lord, we truly desire to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, so getting grace out of the box, what does that mean? Well, A.W. Tozer talking about grace said this. And I love his definition because you've heard it maybe many times in different ways. But he says, grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. Grace is the good pleasure of God to bestow benefits on the undeserving. It's not merely unmerited or undeserved favor. It's a favor bestowed on sinners who deserve wrath. You see, if we all were sinners and we're saved by grace, it's because we're given something that we don't deserve, grace. And you say, well, pastor, I have a hard time believing that that God really would love some of the people I know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I know it's hard for us to get our minds around this, but but God even died for Hitler. And I'm not trying to bring up sore spots, but God, God died for the most inhumane people you could ever imagine. Now, now, there are people out there who will never accept the price that Jesus Christ has paid. But he still died for them anyway. So what am I saying? When, when Jesus talks to us this morning, he's not saying, I want to become a doormat. That's the biggest challenge with this passage. So many people, when you read this passage, they're like, wow, we just become doormats. I want to break this down to you this morning for just a few moments because really the application can be quite easy, but it's looking into the mirror that's a little challenging. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Think about how difficult it is for you to be positive. Do you know a positive person? I mean, hopefully you at least know one. Um, so what does a positive person uh, sound like? Um, they're, they're always positive, right? Does it, does it sort of get on your nerves after a while? You know? it, the world can't be that good. Stop talking. You know? I'm, I'm positive that there's just not enough positive people in the world. Because if, if we're honest, and, and I think I'll, I'll just speak for myself this morning. Here's why... We're not always positive. Because after a while, you just get old enough that once you've gotten stabbed in the back a few times, 
once you've been slapped around a little bit, once you've heard people say things and then don't follow up, you, 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 even when somebody that's trying to do the right thing says something, you're always like, yeah, sure. But in your mind, you're like, I'll believe it when I see it. Hello? And, and, and even when you try to be positive, you're just, there's this part of you that still doesn't. And then someone comes along and breaks your trust. Because really here in this passage, Jesus, he starts this passage off by saying, let every one of you who hear. He's talking to the disciples. Because he's also telling them, in just a few verses earlier, he's saying, listen, um, because of me, the world's going to hate you. The world's not going to like you because you're going to live in a, such a kingdom way that it's going to go against the grain. And it's not that you're supposed to make people mad. That's when you're out protesting against a certain lifestyle and telling them they're all going to go to hell. That's always work. Not. On the flip side, it's, it's, it's just you make them mad just just existing as a Christian. How many of you understand that we do live in a culture that just calling yourself a Christian makes somebody mad? So you will have enemies, but Jesus here is not necessarily even talking about when you go out into the world, you know you're going to go out into the world and have enemies. And he's not talking about becoming a doormat. He said, love your enemies and turn the other cheek. I've been getting slapped around all day by different people and I've only got two cheeks, but it's always a different person. He doesn't mean that. He doesn't mean that there are not laws in the land, and if, if there's a crime that you shouldn't call the police. He doesn't mean if you're looking out in your front yard and someone's stealing your tires, well, just, let's just bless them. No, it, it, call the police. But what, he, what is he talking about? He's, he's primarily talking about the people you're doing life with right now. Because it's, it's easy to point out to the culture and how that we need to, to love our enemies because people are not going to see things our way. But, but let me talk about the enemies from within. Because usually our enemies are what we make them. We create our own enemies. Now, how are our enemies created? <laughs> well, Jesus wants our enemies to be created because you're supposed to have enemies. But we're supposed to have enemies because we're following him. And we're following him in such a way that someone else just doesn't like it. But usually, here's how I have enemies. They don't do what I like, so I don't like them. They're my enemy. Hello? <laughs> now do you want me to close? So what does he say? Love your enemies. I only have four short points. Somebody say, hallelujah. How, how do you do this? He says, love your enemies. Now, if you, if you look at the scripture there, that word love right there is capitalized. Because it's not just talking about your feelings, love. How many know that you can't feel for your enemies sometimes? How many know that you can't? Necessarily. It's always love. He, he mentions this later on in the ring. It's, it's, it's easy to love someone when you're getting along. When you're, when you're always on the same page, everybody always agrees, 
everybody's happy. Don't we all love each other? Well, yeah, right up until somebody does something you don't like. And then you're not on the same page. And then, and then a word is said or something happens. And what he is saying is, don't, don't love your enemies based on a feeling love because you will fail. Well, I don't feel like loving them. Who asked you to feel? Don't love based on an emotion. Don't love based on a feeling. Love based on a command. There's an unconditional agape love. That's that word, agapeo. There's an unconditional God love. A God love that says, for God loved us so much that while we were sinners, while we were enemies, he died on the cross. That kind of unconditional love that wasn't based, and we talked about this last week, the love that wasn't based on a feeling. Now, are our feelings real? Come on, guys. Are your feelings real? That's why, and let me talk to the husbands and wives for just a second. That's why the littlest thing can trigger something that happened 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, the, the littlest thing can trigger something that happened 10 days ago. You thought you were over it. And then, then some, the husband will just say, you know, I think today, j just the way you said, you know, brings back memories. Because that, that, just that attitude of how you said that. And see, you thought, I'm not, I'm not taking up for the men here, you thought everything was healed. But you bring something up, or, or she brings something up, and, and the next thing you know, feelings are involved. Now, you don't have to raise your hands, but we all know that when feelings get involved, I don't think I love them anymore. We just don't love each other anymore. That love is gone. Well, the phileo love, or the eros love, that comes and goes, guys. But the agape love stays forever. That commitment that says, you know what, we're not feeling it right now, so I'm going on a walk. <laughs> well, fine, make sure it's in traffic, sweetheart. See you when you get back. You know. it, it, because the feelings come and go, right? <clears throat> but, but the kind of love we have for our enemies now, it's the kind of love that says, okay, things aren't going to go my way, but I'm here. Things, I, I'm not going to always feel them, but I'm here. Um, are, are there enemies from without, yes. Um, you, you're, you may not be the favorite at work. The boss may have it out for you. So, so what, what should you do? Uh, love anyway. Be committed anyway. Lock and load anyway, right? Now, now what I'm saying, let me just say this. It's, it's impossible without his touch. Because if you come out of the box and it's not the kingdom... Just get your block knocked off, all right? If you come out of the box and you're trying to do it in your own strength, you don't, you don't last that long. All this is predicated on the fact that we are in Christ, we are saved, we, we follow after him. You know, I, I'd much rather be despised by someone because I'm following after Christ and not following after my flesh. I, I've, I've, I've done it both ways, by the way. I've made people mad at me because it was my fault, and I made a mistake. I messed up. 
But I've also made people mad because I just love Jesus so much I'm not giving in on this. I'd rather that be the way I'm known when it's all said and done. And he says, when you, when you get people upset with you, understand. It, there's a lot. I could stay here. I really could stay on this one point the rest of the day. But, but to love one, someone with this kind of love means to become incarnate. See, God loved us so much that he came. He left glory and he came and became flesh. Not that God could not have done this. I was talking to Josh this last week and we were talking about different things. You know, God is, is God. He probably could have decided to deal with things a lot of different ways and never come down in the flesh. God could have just said, you know what? I forgive you, Art. Let's start over. We're done. God could have done a lot of things, but here's what he decided to do. Become one of us. Here's what love does. Love, love, love tries to find out what your story is. Why did that person treat me like that? What are they going through? Why did that person do that to me? What are they going through? And here's the immediate thing that people are going to notice about kingdom people is that we don't react. We respond. So when we're attacked, instead of us going right back into attack mode, we, we respond. They may think we're slow because it takes two slaps. But instead of us reacting, now we know maybe a little bit more about what the problems are. I hope I'm making sense. Because he said, love your enemies, but then, but then he says, do good. Do good to those. Do good to those who deceive you. Do good to those who abuse you. Do good to those who despise you. Do good to those who take advantage of you. All right, Pastor, you've lost me now. It literally means that this, you don't have to break do good down in the Greek. You know what it means? It means to do good. So, so for instance, um, easy application here, you're on 64. And, and you know people are going to cut each other off. You know, you know when you're getting off of an exit, and, and of course we're all professionals in this room, so when we get off an exit, people just don't know how to merge. And you just want to show them all by running them off the road. And maybe they'll get, a, get an idea of how to better merge next time. But you know what do good to those people who don't know how to merge? You know what do good means? Slow down and let them merge. Just slow down. Now, can I just can I stop here one second and ask a favor? Don't become that person who slows down on the exit ramp and lets 15 cars go. And you're going to cause an accident because you're trying to be so, well, pastor, you just told us to be good. Don't do good. Don't cause death. Okay. I'm just saying don't cut people off. If, if, if someone, if you accidentally cut someone off and they wave at you a certain way, don't wave back. And if you do, that's the wave you want to go with. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay? Now, I, I say that, I know none of you would do that in here. But I say that 
Because listen, that's a simple, that is a simple example. But what if somebody's really broken you? What if somebody's really stabbed you in the back? What if someone has really taken advantage of you? What if someone in business has messed you over for a thousand, fifty thousand, stolen your business, hundreds of thousands of dollars? And and yes, even though you can maybe go to court and fight it. By the time you're finished, it would cost you $300,000 to get $100,000 back. There's no, and, and you just find yourself in a situation. So what do I do there, pastor? Pretend it never happened? No, it did happen. It did happen. But now what do you do? You see, because all this is becoming an, is a heart issue. And when it's a heart issue, it will become an action but you've got to decide what the heart issue is going to be. Because when the heart issue is taken care of, then even if the person robs you blind and restitution cannot be made, you, you still have to do good. Forgive them. They may never ask forgiveness. That's okay. It's not really about them anyway. Um, forgive that spouse. Forgive that brother or that sister. Don't raise your hands on this one. Anybody got a family member that you just can't get along with? Right? Anybody have someone that's just living in rebellion and you've, you've, tried, to, you've tried to reach out to them? You've, you've tried to love on them. You, you've tried to do the best you can and nothing seems to connect. Maybe it's an employee. You're trying to help them, but they just, they, they, they're just rebellious against everything you do. You're trying to be nice to somebody, and they spit back at you all the time. You just don't know what to do. Here's what the Bible says. Do good. Do good. Now, again, I'm going I'm to set this up because you cannot, this does not mean, this does not mean become a doormat. So, so for instance, if you see someone coming, and every day when they come, they steal your lunch money, Okay, don't go that way. And if you do, walk with someone larger. And just tell them, I'm, you know, I'll help you if you need help, but you're not taking my money today. Now, here's, here's where this gets a little gray for some of us. Because it's like, I will not be taken advantage of. Do you know Jesus could have prayed the same prayer? I will not... They don't even know who I am. You ever throw that line out there? They, they don't even know who I am. Listen, I promise you, don't ever use that line. It will embarrass you. <laughs> you will embarrass yourself. Don't ever think that you're somebody when you start throw, trying to throw down with somebody. Because everybody thinks they're somebody. Hello? But could, if there's anybody who could have thought they were somebody, it's Jesus. If there's anyone who could have thought, I left glory and they don't get it, it's Jesus. When we're taken advantage of sometimes, it's not about becoming a doormat. It's becoming willing to do good in spite of how they treated us. Now, your faith will not be tested until that is tested. Your faith will not be pressed until you are pressed. 
And it's not about the bigger man walks away, guys. It's about the kingdom living that we're called to live means we bring peace to every situation. You are called to be the peacemaker. You are called to be the one who, in, in a situation that seems out of control, you've not jumped in and you're reacting to everything. You've, you've stepped in, and the Lord is with you. You bring peace. I mean, everything works out for you. Not here. That's why we sang that song a moment ago, He is Faithful. We're going to sing it again in a few minutes. Why? Because he is faithful. Your circumstances are not faithful. The people around you are not faithful. But he is faithful. That's why he says when we live this kingdom out, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done, means that as he's called us as brothers and sisters, when the church comes out of the box, the world needs to see a grace that is so powerfully given away to people who do not deserve it, when people don't deserve to be forgiven, we're forgiving them. When people don't deserve to be helped, we're helping them anyway. When people don't deserve, and, I, and we've all been hurt, we've all been crushed. That's why when we get to the next part, bless those that curse you. We were trained at a young age to bless people out. <laughs> you ever heard that term? Man, she blessed me out. That's a Christian way of getting cussed out. That's all that meant. Uh, you got cussed out Christianese. That's all that meant. They blessed me out. But what does it bless? Well, here's what a curse is. A curse is somebody is just foul. They're talking about you. They're screaming at you. They're belittling you. But a curse is also literally that. They're hoping for the worst for you. They're damning you. They're hoping that everything you do fails. They're hoping that, that your next step is not a good one. They're, they're hoping and wishing the worst for you. They're hoping, may, because they've hurt you, if, if you're not careful, you have a tendency to hope they feel the same pain. If we're not careful, instead of blessing them, we're trying to reverse the curse on them. And, and instead of us walking in joy, we're sort of walking in a a critical spirit of hope, hoping that they hurt, hoping that they have pain, hoping that they have suffering. Making any sense? So how, how do we battle that? There, here's how you battle it. You make a conscious decision, understanding who you are in Christ, and ask God to fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit, because when that happens, the first thing that's going to happen is something inside you is going to get upset, because it triggers something in you. And, and then if you're like most of us, you want to respond or react and say something back. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but he says, bless them. What does a blessing look like in that respect? Well, if it's your neighbor um, and you guys have been arguing about something, when you're cleaning up his yard, clean his, when you're cleaning up your yard, clean up his yard too. And if he yells at you, at least he'll be yelling at you while you're picking up branches. I've not lost my mind, I promise. Um, if, it's, if it's someone at work, show up early and leave late. Do a better job than anybody in the office. Make sure that you know, teenagers, young people, moms, dads, anyone at home, um, I know, listen, we're, we're all human. 
but you want to bless those around you, just go, go beyond. Go beyond. Do what you know you're supposed to do and, and go beyond. It'll take extra time, like this afternoon, but go beyond, do it. And you say, Pastor, we, I need a little bit more meat. I need something that feels more spiritual. This is the most spiritual thing you'll do all week long. Just bless somebody. Not get mad at somebody. Not, not get so angry that when somebody attacks you, you lunge back and aggressively stand your ground because nobody's going to talk to me that way. Don't they know who I am? Here's the, here's the challenge. God is always saying, yes, but do they know whose you belong to? Do they know who you have given your life to and are you living it? It's not a salvation issue. It's a, we want to make people thirsty for the kingdom issue. So he says, bless those who curse you. And then the last one, very quickly, and I'm going to make an application and we're going to wrap this up. He says, pray for them. Pray for them. Now think about it. Love, do good, bless, and pray. You say, well, pastor, I agree with what you're saying almost. I, I just don't know if I can do that love part. Well, then, then just do something good. for them. I don't even think I can do the good, the good part. Well, then just try to bless. I can't even bless anybody right now. Then pray. At least pray. Start somewhere. You don't even have to be around them to pray. Now, here's what prayer does. It not only puts the attention on you asking God. Now, I don't mean pray, God, get them. That's not the prayer I was thinking of. Straighten them out, Lord. Make them miserable, Jesus. No. Lord, I don't know what's going on in their life. But this has happened, and, and God blessed them. Now, why are you praying that? Because when you understand that God wants to bless them, you'll be willing to bless them. When you understand that God loves them, you'll begin to love them. Here's what also happens in prayer. You ready? There's this mirror that God holds up. Because when I start to say, God, I'm having a hard time forgiving them because of what they did. John, don't forget. I loved you. I forgave you. I hate it when he does that. Because he's right. You know, God's always right. And when he does that, it, it doesn't matter what I'm mad at, it, it just chokes it. It doesn't matter what I'm trying to build my defense. You know, sometimes that's why we don't pray. Can I get an amen? We already know the answer. We already know the answer, so you know that if you get down and pray, for God to remind you is misery. So we just avoid it. But here's what I've discovered. Lord, bless them. Lord, they're not living right, but God, open their eyes. God, how can you use me to be a blessing to them? Lord, they, they, they hate me, they attack me, this has happened, this has happened. What you could, the list may be long in some circumstances, but Lord, 
as you bless them, when you give me the opportunity, help me to be a blessing. Help me to find ways to do good. It might be a letter. It might be a meal. And I know some have, have misquoted and taken that verse out of context that says, and when you bless them, you will heap coals upon their heads. Like, let's really make them mad and bless them. Let's love them and make them miserable because they just won't understand what we're doing. Well, there's a part of that that's true, but it's not heaping coals upon them for the sake of doing damage as much as it is heaping coals upon them because out of that hot love, their eyes are open. Whoa, what is this? You know, grabbing a hot coal will wake you up. Grabbing a hot coal will get your attention. And when you love someone, when they're hating you, it gets their attention. I mean, I've got, I've got plenty of stories that people, when they turn around and reach out to that person who has hurt them, time after time, time after time, it may take a while, but that person comes around. Um, years ago, and praise team, if you'll please come. Um, years ago, Church of God missionary, young man. Actually, he was still a teenager, and his father beat him. He was an alcoholic, and he beat him mercilessly every day. I mean, the young man would just come home, and, and dad would just beat him. Well, about the age of 16, he moved in with his uncle just to get away from that, and got saved, became a Christian, and started attending the local church of God there, denominational church. And in, in this church, he really felt God calling him to preach. So he started preaching and he started teaching. And after a few years, they made him the pastor of this little church in Mexico. Now here he is in his first little church, and he's preaching. And his dad would come in, walk right down the aisle, and beat him. And he would stand there, wouldn't fight back. And he, he did this once a month, every other month, and for years. And people were just like, man, fight back. Till one day, he kept just standing there, and his dad came in and just started punching. And one punch got softer, and the next punch got softer. And he just began to weep, and he fell to his knees. And he said, son, how, how have you put up with me for so many years? How have you stood there and allowed me to beat you down when, when others would have fought back? See, the dad was so eat up with guilt of his life and how he had failed. Eat up with alcoholism. He hated himself so much he was taking it out on somebody else. And his son didn't know psychology, had no counseling skills. All he could say, I know Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. And, and the word says do this, and I'm just trying to be an example to these people. And I'm going to fast forward a couple years because there's a lot, of, a lot in this story. But guess who's pastoring that church today? The dad dad's pastoring that church 
Why? Because a young man decided to love his enemy. A young man decided to do good, to bless. Instead of, instead of lashing out and reacting, he decided, you know what? I'm going to just follow. Because it wasn't that the young man was being rewarded for his faithfulness. It's that the young man was experiencing God's faithfulness. See, I wish I could tell you that all the hurt and all the pain that you've gone through in life is always going to make sense. I wish I could tell you that the abuse and the hurt that, that some of us, even in this room right now, are still sort of holding on to back here, that it, it's all going to make sense. It may never make sense, guys, but he is faithful. He is faithful. And he brings us through times, and he brings us through seasons that we can't even imagine. So I want to challenge you this morning. If there's an area in your life that you need him to love, allow him. Don't be the enemy anymore. He's died for you. Come to Jesus. But I also want to pray with you because if there's that person, as, as I've been sharing this morning, inevitably there's that person, there's that circumstance, there's that issue that you know God is calling you to the kingdom life. I want to pray that God help you, that God give you the courage, that God give you the power, that God give you the ability, that God give you the boldness. Maybe not the boldness to lash out, but the boldness to stand and know that he is God. Because he is faithful, amen? Let's all stand. I'm going to pray. And then as we sing this song, I really want this song to be a song of proclamation that, yes, God, however you want to use me, I want that boldness to, to go there because you are faithful. I want that to be a, a confirming prayer for you today. But if you want special prayer, I want you to come while we're singing. We want to pray with you. So I want to pray with you right now. Can I? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, there's a lot of enemies out there, Lord. But Lord, the enemy, the evil one, desires our soul. And if you can get us sidetracked on any issue, relationships, business, whatever it is, if he can get us sidetracked, he can get us separated from you. So I bind the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, the issues that, that we may be wrestling with today, Father, first I pray that we run to you. In you we live and move and have our being. It's not by our might or by our strength, but it's by your Holy Spirit, thus saith the Lord. So first, Father, I pray that we run to you. Lord, even in the issues that we might be facing, let us stop in our tracks even now and run to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, I also pray that, that you give us that boldness. Give us the boldness to love with an unconditional love. Give us a boldness to bless, not to bless them out, but to be a blessing to them. Lord, give us the, the ideas, and it, they may seem so simple. It, it, it may be as simple as a, a card or a meal, a phone call, but Lord, help us to do good to those who take advantage of us. Lord, even now we pray. Lord, we pray for them. And Lord, I pray for us that you would lead, guide, and direct us as we 
as we become examples of what it means for people to experience the kingdom of God. But Lord, we've got to get out of the box. The church must get out of the box. The message must get out of the box. We are no longer cripples laying on a mat, but we're called by you. We're forgiven of our sins. We're forgiven of our past. Lord, you literally put your strength and your spirit in us and we can go out and yes, even love our enemies. So God, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that we are faithful. But Lord, we thank you today that you are faithful. In the name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God, amen.